Monday, October 3rd, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Kellen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann and Bill Barker, and analyst Tim Hansen, who... Tim, you're kind of a man without a country for this week, aren't you? I'm in between jobs at the moment. <laughs> you will eventually, however, be moving down to the first floor and joining the guys at Motley Fool Asset Management. As long as I don't revoke my offer. <laughs> well, we've got a week to go. We'll keep us posted. The and countdown begins. 12 minutes of a podcast for Tim to blow it. <laughs> we've got the latest on Yahoo and Eastman Kodak, a company we don't often talk about. And by often, I mean ever. Uh, but we will start. Uh, that was a- mean. Uh, it, it, it has the added merit of being true. We don't yeah. ever talk about Eastman Kodak. The mean-spirited things always are. Uh, guys, stocks around the world down today after Greece admitted it will not meet its deficit reduction targets. Uh, Bill, man, I know you're shocked by this. Um, it, it just seems like all the austerity measures in the world and, and Greece just still can't make so, ends meet? You know, part of the problem is that each one of these austerity measures makes it harder for them to hit these targets. I mean, they're supposed to hit targets based on GDP, debt to GDP, but mm-hmm. every time you put an austerity uh, measure out there, it reduces their GDP, which increases their debt as a percentage of that. So, of course, they're not going to hit this target. I mean, this has been, you know, this has been the, uh, you know, the the worst forecast, uh, you know, ending in history, if you will. And Tim, what do you think? Is there a point where Germany and the others just completely give up? Or- it's an interesting situation. I, you know, it was funny. I was, I was. Everyone is starting to have an opinion on this if they didn't already, because it's, it's been in the news now for so long. And I was talking to a neighbor uh, over the weekend who has just recently started getting into this. He's like, "Man, those Greeks." How irresponsible are they? You know? <laughs> and, and, and to be fair, that's, that is a, a somewhat reasonable point. But the, I think the thing that's going somewhat underreported is that Germany you know, is wagging their finger at the rest of at Southern Europe saying, you know, look at how well we've done and how poorly you've done. But one of the reasons Germany's GDP was growing so robustly the last couple of years is because they were one of the beneficiaries of this European free trade zone. And so they would give Greek the debt basically, to then buy German goods, boosting German GDP, but then, you know, impoverishing Greece, basically. So it, it's kind of like a big, a big Ponzi scheme. So I'm not sure how Germany can go back, because without demand from Southern Europe, Germany's GDP will go down, and that will suck for Germany also. Bill Barker? You know, I, I think it, this is a really, really, really slow-moving train wreck, right? I, I yeah. mean, everybody who has offered an opinion has, except for... Prime Minister of Greece has said, well, of course, Greece is going bankrupt. There's really no way to do the math that they don't. And we're going to see, I don't know, five, You could carry the seven. (laughs) No. no, Even even if you carry the seven and multiply it by 20, it it still (laughs) still doesn't Billion. (laughs) Really, nobody has, has... Come out divided by drachma. That that it looks uh, like they won't default, and it's really a mechanism that is unexplored territory as to how they do that within the eurozone, and that is just repeating the obvious that this is going to end badly. Well, that's the question: is is how? uh, Yeah, Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, some type of default is happening. Someone's taking a haircut somewhere on something. Someone has to lose money. It's who, when, and how much. And whether and you know and what the consequences of that are, uh, uh, both financially and also politically and, and socially. Yeah, I mean, it's already getting to the point where I saw an article last week where Lloyd's of London has basically moved its money out of European banks. So, I mean, the interesting thing about financial crises of this nature is that the individual moves that make a whole lot of sense to protect yourself from it 
ends up exacerbating the crisis itself. I mean, what you know, what 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 what's starting to happen in Europe is that you know they've got a they've a, they've got a crisis based on based on assets depreciating and leaving. The the template is difficult here for another reason, and that is that the bailouts in the U.S. of the U.S. banks lead various European banks to consider the possibility that they can get out of what otherwise would be some fairly obvious losses that they would have to suffer uh, and and to say, well, you know, why should we suffer these losses? What if (laughs) there were somebody to bail us out as well? Mm. (laughs) Who who can we just keep asking people to do that until we get the answer? Yes. And uh, there's historic precedent. The history isn't very old. And the U.S. is putting itself out through uh, the, the Treasury Secretary Geithner as an example of how to manage a problem like this. So, you know, there are people out there who otherwise should expect to take losses who think they've got a good chance of not doing so. Tim? I think it's, it's probably going to end up being on the on the back of the European sort of pan-European taxpayer writ large because, I mean, the only way that this, you know, a bailout is going to be necessary and the only way the bailout funds become big enough to—, to you know, protect these banks against against collapse is by basically allowing Europe to borrow as one, and that way, you just as the Treasury of the United States sells debt, right now individual European countries sell debt, and and you know obviously the ones like Greece can't do that anymore at any reasonable rate. If they can borrow as an entire Europe, well then maybe they can you know push this push this down and 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 recover. But what you've done in effect by doing that is you've created the United States of Europe, yep. which is what they said they've never wanted to do for so long. Yeah, the political integration that that's a requirement of that, you know, whether beforehand or afterwards, is is a step that they're not they've shown no willingness to take. Earlier today, Yahoo announced a partnership with ABC News, but the bigger story seems to be the fate of Yahoo's overall business. At a conference on Sunday, Alibaba Group CEO Jack Ma said he was interested in buying Yahoo. Tim Hansen gets to take, I think, a victory lap here because you, you basically called this weeks ago, didn't you? I can't remember. I'm on a bit of a hot streak for prediction. I can't remember <laughs> the one before this was, but that's probably why I think I'm on a hot streak. But yeah, <laughs> two weeks ago. Is um, one a streak? <laughs> I did it. No, two weeks ago, I wrote an article why Jack Ma should, should buy Yahoo. Um, and he, he, apparently, read it. he apparently read it and is now thinking about doing so. I mean, this is this is a... Uh, basically a no-brainer for him. As we've talked about many times on on this podcast, um, Yahoo owns about 40% of Jack Ma's company, Alibaba Group. Uh, Jack Ma has recently been granting options and and things at Alibaba that imply the valuation of Alibaba Group to be about $35 billion, which means that Yahoo's stake is worth about $15 billion pre-tax, pre-liquidity discount, Mm -hmm. those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Yahoo's market cap right now is $16.6 billion. Which means the only for Jack Ma to buy Yahoo and make out like a bandit, bandit, he only needs to find about one point six billion dollars of value. And oh, by the way, Yahoo has three billion dollars in cash, a six billion dollar stake in Yahoo Japan, yep. and then you know a U.S. and global internet business that's still doing about two billion dollars a year in EBITDA. That's worth someone, something to someone. Obviously, Alibaba Group is worth way more to Jack Ma than anyone else because he doesn't have to worry about the taxes, and he probably also knows he's not going to defraud himself. So he doesn't have to worry about that. And so he can make a really compelling bid that not only will probably force Yahoo shareholders to want to sell. I'm talking like $22, $23 a share. But that also means he walks away with – well, he solves a huge problem for his company, which is that some some Americans own 40 percent of it. And he also gets a really, really good deal. 
Bill Barker. Well, the, the danger here for Motley Fool Asset Management is that this comes true because, you know, <laughs> as if we've learned anything from the careers of uh, Meredith Whitney or Elaine Garzarelli, it's that you only need one accurate public prediction <laughs> ever in your history to be a, a, a pundit that, that goes on to CNBC whenever you feel like for the rest of your career. So what we say... What we have to hope is that this doesn't come true and that we can say, Tim, well, you know. That was so stupid. You wrote an article and it didn't happen. Because <laughs> if it happens, it's it gone, and now we, we got to look for somebody else. Uh, what is true is that Yahoo is worth more to Jack Ma, than it, and it's more valuable if Jack Ma buys it than if anybody else does. But is the U.S. government going to allow Jack Ma to just be the, the, the sole owner of this, uh, as Tim pointed out, this uh, viable a marginal search company. Do they well, have plutonium yeah. reserves or something? What? What? I don't know. I just feel like if the if the you know, and one of the things I've read is that if the if the roles were reversed and instead this we were talking about an American businessman, you know, buying a a well known branded. China. Well, they wouldn't. I mean, China wouldn't even allow that. So I mean, it, it's a reasonable point, um, and I'm sure you know. There's it's no. Just, it's just wrong, Chris. <laughs> Fortun- <laughs> Fortunately, we live in America. Despite your <laughs> desire that we all be Chinese just, or I don't know I'm Russian or whatever, whatever it is that you're, propo- you're proposing here. I'm sure some elected official will, will bang a drum about something. But you know, for Jack, well, like I said, I, I, frankly, I don't think he really wants to own the U.S. assets. So the easy yeah. solution for him is to just do the deal and contingent upon doing the deal, say, look. I've already got a deal in place to then spin off the U.S. thing to this private equity firm or this company or whomever, and I'm just going to take, I'm just going to take my company, the Yahoo Japan stake, and the three billion dollars in cash and go home, and yep. he, you know, he walks away with about twenty-two dollars per share in value, which is all he has to bid for the company, and and uh, you know, he, he can he can avoid that regulatory problem. There are, um, as you mentioned, there are private equity groups that are are looking at Yahoo. Um, it was a couple of years ago that Microsoft made a bid at, at obviously a much higher valuation. Um, you know, if the price is right, do you think Microsoft uh, goes back and says, "Yeah, we'll we'll take Yahoo at, a, at you know instead of thirty five or thirty eight per share, or whatever it was a couple of years ago"? If instead it's if it's a lot lower than that, does that make sense? I mean, I think uh, Microsoft felt. Poorly done by during the uh, during the Yahoo transaction, and so you know they basically said that they weren't going to come back. But things have changed at Yahoo. I mean, Carol Bartz, who was the, the primary negotiator, is gone. So, I mean, I, I I would think that they would. I mean, you know, it, the reasons that they wanted Yahoo to start with are still they're still in play. So I think that they would probably be interested. Why Why do you write out uh, Hewlett Packard for making that deal? I mean, it seems like the kind of wacky thing they might come up with over there. Uh, <laughs> Who's in charge? There, Meg now? Whitman bought Skype, right? I mean, it's it's at least as natural a, a, a combination as uh, as that. And finally, reports over the weekend that Eastman Kodak was going bankrupt. The company has denied those reports, and at one point today, so sh- everything's fine. Everything's yeah, apparently because at one point today, thank God they said something. Shares of Eastman Kodak had more than doubled. Now, granted, we are talking about uh, a stock that I-, I believe on Friday closed at seventy-seven cents a share. So it is a penny stock, Bill Barker. But I mean, is there value in this company? No. 
None. Next question. The None. company. Well, the the, the, the patents. I, I, to if who? Now, if we're if we're taking uh, victory laps for things we wrote, I get to go back uh, 11, 12 years to a dueling fools thing that I wrote about uh, wow. Kodak and say that the company was absolutely doomed wow. uh, back it, then. It only so, took you 12 years to be right on that one. Hey, right? you know, you you could have been. Uh, he right was the mostly whole way right. Down. In his defense, he was mostly right for wrong for a long, long time. Yeah, for the right reasons. They never got uh, involved in in digital to the degree they needed to uh, until it was too late. And I would say that despite the uh, still phenomenal brand power that the company has, otherwise they're, they're saddled with a lot of legacy costs and uh, infrastructure that is money losing. And they have a lot of these patents. And this is where the story came from, that they might declare bankruptcy in order to clear the way for selling off uh, yeah. these patents to somebody. And you know, you, you, they've, they've hired a bunch of lawyers to figure out whether they need to do that or, or something else. And then now they've come out and said they're not going to declare bankruptcy. Uh, but so there's some value in these patents. Uh, as anybody's guess from the outside what that could be, you'd, you'd need uh, uh, to do a, a lot of hard study to see what those are really worth. So betting as so many people out there are and have over the last couple of weeks on what is going to happen with Kodak. First, you got a story that Oh, they're going to be bought out for their patents. The stock spiked about 25, 30% in a day. That cooled down. The market cooled down. And now, you know, the bankruptcy story comes out. This is, this is anybody's guess as to what those things might be worth. I think the the real question is, yeah, those patents probably do have some significant value. But the question is to whom? I mean, you're talking about a company that is distressed to the point that even if it were marketing them heavily now, and let's. Let's just surmise that they are. They're not going to be able to generate full value for the patents because everyone who's on the other side of the bargaining table knows full well that Kodak has to sell. I mean, it's a matter of survival for them to be able to uh, to generate some value for you know for uh, for these assets. So, I you know I I actually don't have not had an opinion on the stock, and I you know and I, and I don't have one here. But those types of arguments need to keep in mind who the seller is. And if it's a distressed seller, I mean, a, a, uh, you know, the buyer would have to be insane to pay full, to pay full value. So there are, however, a lot of insane buyers out there. There are. There <laughs> are plenty. The recent patent acquisition activity be my evidence of that. Yes. Um, obviously, the, this worked out well, at least for today, for Kodak stock. Any any other companies that should employ this strategy of just coming out and saying, no, 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 we're not going bankrupt in, in the hopes that it gets their <laughs> stock to pop? I mean, in general, the, uh, as of right now, the market's down. I mean, it's it's certainly a, a good day for Kodak. Well, I'll throw, throw in the poster boy for this one. You can insert your own joke here, but Sirius XM, I think, always benefits from a little bit of uh, we're not going bankrupt. And Tim Hansen? Uh, the U.S. government. I was, I was thinking individual stocks, but oh, you're not playing the game by the rules. Greece, here. You're going to get in trouble. Greek government bonds, Bill uh, Man. Yeah, you know, I, I, historically, AIG kind of did this. I mean, this was this was the, the, uh, this was part of uh, you know part part of their. Hey, we we have a lot of value here. It's just that they had a pretty big uh, you know, hole in their balance sheet. Yeah, uh, to, I'll, to give a real answer, you can go take any of the European banks, and they would all benefit from something like that, although no one believes them. Right. Um, apparently, people believe Kodak, which says a lot about the candor of their CEO, whose I, name escapes me. I, I think it's that, you know, as Bill Barker sort of indicated, you know, it's it's the brand. It's the fact that it's been around for, I don't know, 120 years or whatever. France is. is a pretty good brand. 
Oh, come on. No. <laughs> really... Let me try again. <laughs> Spain's a pretty good brand. Bill Mann, Tim Hansen, Bill Barker. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.